awesome music and the prayer in the, in the spirit of Scott starting every message off with a story I should have. He asked me to preach about a little bit a week ago. And you have to understand, I'm, I've been in this pursuit of if God ever asks something of me, I say yes. I, I don't say, well, what about this? What about that? I, I just want to say yes. And I'm, I'm really I'm pursuing trying to understand this and trying to just do that. If he says jump, I just say, oh, it's all I Instead of trying to figure everything out, I have everything. So anyway, Scott asked me to preach. Uh, and I kind of delayed and uh, couldn't come up with a good reason why I couldn't preach. I had to say yes, you know. And I texted him that night and said, okay, I'll preach. The next morning, my plan was to load up my tractor and some implements and go over to the slide and help the kids, Hayden and James, in their back lot and do some work back there, right? So I get up in the morning, I hook up the trailer, the trailer breaks don't work. I spend you know, a couple hours almost rewiring the whole trailer breaks and everything else. Finally get them to work, I go to load up the tractor, flat tire. One of those big tires. Put iron, put air in it, get it in the shop. I'm trying to break the lug nuts on this big old tire. I'm standing on this five-foot cheetah bar, you know, thinking, I'm too old to kill myself. <laughs> Think about that statement, I'm too old to kill myself. I was going to get hurt, so I said, you know, forget it. I'll just load the tractor up, I'll hold it down to Gunnison. I load the tractor up, I head out, I go down the hill from the shop. It's icy. Yep. Slide into the ditch, jackknife the trailer, damage the back of my truck up. This is all in the first few hours of the morning, right? <laughs> I'm starting to wonder, why did I say yes? What's going on here? It goes on and on. I finally get the tractor down there. They call me about 4 o'clock. They're done with it. I load it up. Now I'm coming back home. I have a blowout in the trailer now. I have no spare. <laughs> and so I find I'm sitting in the side of the road. I'm sitting, contemplating this whole thing. It's been quite a day. I call a friend up, you know, hey, can you come help me? And, it ended up, it just kept on going and going and going and snowballing like that. And finally, at 8.30 that night, I finally made it home. Everything I touched went wrong that <coughs> And I'm sitting there, just kind of pondering this whole thing. God, is this, is this spiritual warfare? Is, is this what's going on? You know that I want to say yes to anything you ask of me. And I sat there, and I just got this vision of God going Scott's not God. <laughs> you didn't get that. <laughs> it hit me. Scott's not God. I want to respond to God. Okay, that really went over like a late night. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There was no absolutely no moral in that story. There was no intent. <laughs> hey, we had a retreat, an elders retreat, a couple weeks ago. And we had a sweet time. We spent an evening and a day together, the elders of the church. And we had a really sweet time of praying and seeking what God would have for this church in the coming year, in the coming years, actually. And um, out of that came four areas that we as a church want to focus on. And these four areas are just, just areas within the whole ministry of reconciliation that we are about. But these are four areas that we want to zone in on. We want to zero in on. And the first, 
First, uh, our spiritual life, we abide in Jesus. Building community, we work together. Focusing, raising up the next generation, passing the time. And having an outward focus, a focus on those that are not involved in our church, because we are the ones in the light. And I'm really excited about what's going on here. I'm really excited about these four areas. I'm excited about where we're headed, but I'm also very excited about where we're at right now as a church. Are you not? Mm-hmm. Is it not a good feeling to be part of this? There's a energy here, there's stuff going on, the youth is going on, there's Bible studies, there's a lot of stuff going on, and I'm excited about it. Where we're at right now is what Scott and Drew and the leadership is bringing here. It's good stuff, yeah? Mm -hmm. I'm also excited that we're not content with that. I'm excited that we're saying, okay, God, where where are we short? This is all good stuff. But what else? What else would you have us be about? I'm excited that we don't just have the feeling of maintaining, but we want more of God. We want more of you. And I'm really excited about where this is going to take us. And as we talk, Scott's going to talk about these for the next few weeks or whatever it takes. I'm just here to introduce it. Um, but as we talk about it, excuse me a second. I'm excited about all the things that's going to come down with these things. I'm excited about what's coming down but I gotta tell you this. Um, this is not something that Scott's gonna do. It's not something Scott and Drew are gonna do. It's not something that Scott and Drew and the leadership are gonna do. This is something that we'll be joyful about. All of will be joyful. You are invited to participate in all of this. Okay, that's what church is. But as I say that, as I invite you to participate in all this, it's kind of like you've got to have an understanding. If this was an app you could download, you download it and you go through that terms of agreement, right? You know, you're supposed to read through it at the bottom, there's those two little boxes, you know, I accept, I decline, I agree, I don't, I don't agree. That's my job this morning to give you that. It's the fine print of the contract. <laughs> it's you know those commercials, you know, they have an auto store and at the very end somebody runs out. You can understand one word that's saying and all the legal jargon. That's what I'm presenting to you. Okay? Terms of the contract. If I were to hand you a contract and you were to look at the fine print. Here's what it was starting with. John 15, 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And really, maybe that's all the fine print scene. You know, all the Bible studies that we do, everything that's going on here. It's awesome. You can attend every Bible study that goes on here, and it may or may not make a difference. You can take awesome notes to Scott's awesome preaching, and just because you're taking notes doesn't mean a lot. 
when you come up to take communion, just because you're participating, just because you walk up here and take the bread and, and the wine, doesn't mean there's any cleansing going on, there's anything going on in your heart. The act of doing it doesn't mean it. Community. Community is awesome, but it's not the final line. It's not the bottom line. And we don't want to be doing church in a sense, just to be a successful thing in the community. We don't want to be doing church so that you feel good about yourself and feel that you're part of something successful. There's something much, much more. All the things, all the programs, the activities, the opportunities that we are about are tools to get you to one thing, and that's you and your relationship with Christ. That's what they're for. Get, get in your mind this image. Here's, here's what we as Ovi Joyful are going to do now. Just, just think about this image. We want to be the best man at a wedding. But this best man was the one that introduced the bride and groom. This best man was the one who put up, let's say it's you. This best man was the one who put up with your phone calls at night, guys, when you said, Oh man, she is so awesome. This is great. You know, just thanks so much for introducing us and everything else. And you endure that. And then the next night you hear this, oh man, I don't understand this woman at all. I just can't figure this out. I don't think this is going to work. You're the best man that endures all of that. But you saw a match. You saw a match and you brought them together because it was true love. We want to be the best man at the wedding because when it comes to the wedding, it has nothing to do with the best man. It has everything to do with about the celebration of those two coming together. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. And I think as we look at this verse, abide in me and I in you, we're just going to focus on that part for a while. Abide in me and I in you. I think there comes a time in all of our journeys, we're all in process has anybody reached? Has anybody got to the final point yet? Reached it? We're all in process, are we not? We're all on a journey. And I think there comes a time in all of our spiritual journeys when we need to set religion aside. When we need to set all of the thinking through and the analytical and the figuring it all out, we need to set that all aside for religion. And religion being a religion is really just our pursuit of trying to understand who God is. Right? I mean, that's the best we can do in humans. There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes, just set that aside. And listen to this calling by me. I'm going to challenge you this morning to set aside any to set aside any striving that you might have to make your life look like it's supposed to look like. When you talk about your life being successful, when you talk about your life in the Christian context, set aside all that stuff about what you think it's supposed to be and striving for that. Just put it all aside. And think about this. Abide in me. You know, last week, Scott, um, now let me back up a second. I'm talking about setting this stuff aside. Um, 
Oswald Chambers said this. He said, beware of making a fetish of consistency to your convictions instead of being devoted to God. Wow. And you know, even Jesus in the scriptures, he said, you search the scriptures because you think they, in them they have eternal life. But you know what? They point to me. All of the scriptures point to me. That's where eternal life is. Last week, Scott talked about us being sons of God. You remember that? Sons of God. There is nothing that we can do to make God love us. There's nothing that we can do to earn His love for us. You know why? He already does. He already does. It is His very nature to love us. We talked about, we talked about the product song. Here's a guy that had everything, had an abundance of everything. He took it, he squandered it on his own lusts, his own desires. Finally, down in the depths, he realized this ain't cutting it. This ain't where it's at. And he goes back home, and his father runs out to greet him and welcomes him back into his presence. Even after everything he had done, all he does is welcome him back into his presence. Our God is a loving God. But here's what I... Here, when we talk about our God being a loving God, grace and mercy and forgiveness, don't for one minute think of our God as this God who goes around loving us like little puppies. That is far remote from who our God is. It's not like, oh yeah, hey, you screwed up, I'm sorry, come on back, I'll take care of you. Our God. our God is a God of justice. And what he says, what he sets in motion, stays in motion. But our God is also a God who, when our relationship, we were created to be in relationship with him, were we not? That's what he created us to be, to be in relationship with him. And that relationship was set. And instead of God just pushing us aside or wiping us out, because of his love for us, he made a way for that to be done with. You have to understand that all of God's love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness comes one way to us, and that's through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ on the cross. That's how it comes. That's how it's exercised. And it is Jesus himself that we have to look to. Okay? Now, if you believe that, if you believe that everything that God is about and it comes through Jesus Christ, then that really should underline everything that you're about. It, in fact, everything that you are should be encapsulated in this concept of God wanting me to be reconciled with Him if He allowed it through Jesus Christ. It's not church over here. It's not family life over here. It's not hobbies and interests over here, my finances here. Everything that we are should be totally encompassed by this concept of Jesus Christ. Um, and you know, when you think about this, abide me and I and you. That's a hard concept, is it not? It's not something that we can just grab onto and say, oh yeah, I can go out and do that. 
It's, it's a tough concept. And sometimes I think it's easy for women to understand than those guys. You know, those guys, we need to have it logically spelled out for us, you know. I can tell you all about how an engine works from the time you put in the gas to the exhaust because there's a logical progression of everything that happens there. When God says, I in me, what does that mean? And I in you. And I think God allows us to understand this in a deeper way by not removing some of the hardships and the trials in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, it talks about temperance. We talk about going through the fire. But I think he allows us to, rather than just spell it out in Scripture, he allows us to learn at first-hand experiences by not removing some of those tough times in our lives. For me, it was a divorce. My divorce was hard on me. I know it's been hard on some of you. And, you know, divorce is so common. I mean, probably everybody in this room has sort of some sort of connection with somebody in their lives that is either going through it or going through it. And for some, it was probably a blessing. For me, it was very, very hard. But one thing that I mean, one thing that good that came out of that is I have this longing, I have this passion, I have this desire now not to just do everything right, but to seek Him. To abide in him. And I'm learning more and more and more what he means by abiding in him. I can't just spell it out for you here. I can't give you the here's the three points of abiding in him because he's going to call you to it. And you're going to have to find it out for yourself. The word, um, the word abide is manum. Manum. You guys awake say manum. Manum. I have no clue. I was supposed to say that. That's what it said in the book. And it says this. Mano, the definition of Mano is to continue to be present, to not depart, to remain. I call up the 24-year-old son, Zach. Hey, Zach, what's going on? Nothing. Just hanging out with my friends. He's just hanging. He says a lot like that, too. He's just hanging. I think God desires a little bit more than that. David in Psalm 61, lead me to the rock that is higher than me. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. Part of that mean that word means just to dwell. Eugene Peterson in the, in the message, oh, I love that. I think that's my his own translation of scripture in the message, he translates this verse of making, making my home. I want you to be my home. I want me to be your home. I'm going to dwell there. But it's not just a refuge in bad times. It's not just hanging out on Sunday mornings. It's not just hanging out on Bible studies. There's more to that word mainly. And it means um, um, somewhere I have it here. To remain as one. To not become different. You ever see these couples that have been married for like 150 years? <laughs> and, and they're so cute. <laughs> but, you know, you look at them, they've been together for so long that, you know, they have the same mannerisms. They talk to each other the same way. They even start looking like, they, you know, they have the same kind of dress. You know, 
You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Well, you know, before those two met, they were two individuals, two separate people. But they've been together for so long, it's like they've become one. In fact, their identity is wrapped up in the other person. You know, that blue, you know, his, his dad died within an hour, his mom died of a heart attack. Thanks. You know what I'm talking about. It's like they are one, they are inseparable, and they have taken on the characteristics of that other person so much that that's who they are now. That's who their identity is. I think that's the kind of abiding that God is calling us to. That we are dwelling with him so much that we take on his identity. That whoever he is, we become. That's what he's calling us to. And you've got to realize, this is not just a call to obedience. It is. If you read the rest of the verse and the rest of that chapter, it is a call to obedience, but it's much, much more than that. It is an offer and an invitation. That's correct. To say, follow me. Listen, I am the source of life. My father is the source of life. Don't you think I know what's going on? Don't you think I know what's best for you? It's in our own best interest to learn to abide in him. Oh, you know, uh, I got to go to Chiang Mai uh, a year ago. Jamie was out there in her missions. And I went to Chiang Mai, Thailand. I spent a week with her. And the purpose of our week out there was to go into the bars and um, offer girls that are caught up in the sex trade there, offer them a way out. And so the first night we go into the bar and we're sitting there and kind of <coughs> figuring out how we're going to kind of start talking to these girls. And in the corner of my eye, I see a, a Western guy stand up and walk out with a young Thai girl that, you know, poor his age. In my heart, started turning knobs. And it just, oh, it's the inside of me. I watched him get up and walk out with this girl. And all oh, the anger that started swelling up to me. And when you're the problem, I didn't say that loud. <laughs> you're the problem. You are the one exploiting these girls. And, oh, I just, it just, it just raised the hair into my head. And the back of my neck and my heart was just turning knots over this. I find I had to settle down, I had to breathe. And began praying about the girls that we were actually going to start talking with. And one of my pursuits lately as well has been that we, that I, and that every joyful have the heart of God. That whatever breaks God's heart breaks our heart. Mm-hmm. Whatever grieves God, Lord, let us grieve over too. And whatever you rejoice in Let us seek that out and rejoice in it as well. But you know that in any good relationship, there's a listening and there's a hearing. That has to, you can't do all the talking, right? When God calls us to abide in Him, it's not just all about me. There's a two-way street there. you got to listen and you got to hear. And as I sat there praying in that bar and chained my all of a sudden, All of a sudden, God began to change my heart. And I started seeing that guy in a different light. And I started realizing that all the injustice that is being done to these girls 
The same injustice has been done to him in his life in the form of lies and deceit. And he needed the same grace and mercy and forgiveness of Christ, the same as those girls, the same as you, the same as I. And then I saw him as the man running back to the father's open arms, the prodigal son. And I, all of a sudden, got God's perspective on this man. Oh, God hates the wickedness, and he hates the injustice, but it's a, he's a son of God. And God desires that no one should perish. And when we abide in him, and he in us, and we dwell there, we begin to take on God's perspective on things as well, instead of just our Now, abide in you and I in you, period. That is a complete sentence. That means it's a complete thought. If you were in a wheelchair and you had to depend on somebody else, you know what? God would still call you and make this offer to abide in him and him in you. If you were on a deserted island all by yourself, the only friend you had was a volleyball. God would still make the same offer to you, abide in me, and I am you. Period. But, but, I think that's Scott's favorite word. (laughs) But there's more. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. You are not in a wheelchair, and you are not on a deserted island. And you are not alone. You are part of something greater that God wants to do here in this community, in this valley. And and regardless of all the programs and everything that we want to be about, here's the bottom line, here's the prerequisite, is that we abide in Him first. Why? You can't bear fruit by yourself. You can't be cut off from the source of life and bear fruit by yourself. You know, when we look at a tree outside, we don't say, oh, look at the nice trunk. Oh, look at the branches, too. We look at it as a tree. It's all one, right? It's one. We look at it as one. And you cut off a branch and throw it in the window and say, hey, well, how's this thing produce grapes? You're going to be waiting a long time because it's not going to do anything. You cut it off from the life-giving source, it's not going to do anything. Now, we might be able to do all sorts of things on our own and call them great programs and call them great things, but are they really going to produce the fruit that God is calling us to produce? Jesus, right before he was arrested and betrayed, prayed. In John 17, Now listen, this sends chills up my spine when I think of this. It does. It's Jesus. He knows what's coming down the pipe right now. He knows that as soon as he says amen, it starts. He's going to get betrayed by his own man. He's going to get arrested. He's going to get hauled off. The lashings are going to start. The procession to death is going to start as soon as he says amen. And he knows it. And he's there praying. He says, Father, the time has come. And he goes on to pray. He prays for his disciples. He prays for his protection with the men that he has just been with. And then he does this. Listen to this. 
I do not ask for these only. These only are his disciples. And he's just talking, that he's just praying for. But also for those who will believe in me through their word. If you believe, if you're in this room and you believe, Jesus prayed for you. If you are in this room and you don't believe, but your life's not over yet, and you may believe and you don't know it yet, he prayed for you as well. <laughs> Can you get that in your head, Jesus? Before Jesus went through all this pain and shame and everything, he prayed for us. And look what he prayed for. That they might all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also might be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that may, they may be one, even as we are. I in them, and you in me. If it was that important for Jesus to pray about right before the time began to his crucifixion, don't you think this should be important for us? Jesus was praying for us that when we are one abiding God, abiding in him, the glory of God is passed down through us and out through us. Oh man, I, I just sends children my Um, I'm just going to close there. I'm just going to close there because there's my challenge to you this morning. Don't search out what it means to abide in Christ. Search out Christ. Go to Jesus. Okay? You don't have to wait for the bad times to end. He's calling you. It's an honor. Lean in Him. Dwell in Him. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Amen? Amen. Okay, you can pick up your contract. Go in peace. Have a great day.